After reminding us of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's attributes, His actions, His power over the creation, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Aminu, all of you believe. Believe in who? Billahi wa rasulihi. Believe in Allah and His Messenger. Aminu is a command. This command is being given to who? To who? To all people. But remember, this is in Madni Surah. So the command is specifically for the Muslims. Don't they already believe? They do. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says still, Aminu, believe. Believe in Allah. In Allah that He is your Lord, whom you should worship and strive towards. Believe wa rasulihi in His Messenger also. That He is your leader and your guide. The example that you must follow. Believe in Allah and His Messenger, sallallahu alayhi wasallam. You see, if you are doing something, if you're working, and somebody says, somebody comes up to you and says, "Can you get your work done already?" What does that mean? You're already working, and they're telling you to do your work. What does it mean? You're not doing your work properly. You need to look at what you're doing. Examine it, think about it, and do it properly. Fix it. So, aminu billahi wa rasulihi. This is similar to how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in the Quran, in Surah An-Nisa, ayah 136, that, ya ladina amanu, aminu billahi wa rasulihi. O you who have believed, believe in Allah and His Messenger. Because as we discussed earlier, at the beginning, that how when a person has iman, that iman is not going to stay stagnant. It's going to wear out. It's going to become old. So what is necessary? That it should be revived. It should be strengthened. It should be pumped up. You know, you get that iman high and you get really good and then there's a decline, there's a dip. What is necessary? That you do something to go high again. Right? But what happens with us is that if we ever do have a dip, we think that's it. I'm never going to get this right. I'm a failure. Whereas this is something very natural. That when you're doing something good, there will come a point where you will fall. You will go down. You will decrease. So when you go down, what does it mean? Go up again. Increase again. So, aminu billahi wa rasulihi. And what this teaches us is that there is always a need to revive one's iman. There is always room for improvement. You understand? There is always room for improvement. We can never reach a level where we can say, yeah, now I've got this in control. I've got sabr. You can never say that. Never. Because there is always room for improvement. Just the other day somebody was sharing with me about how their Qur'an teacher who is, mashallah, known for the famous ijazat that they have and they give ijazat also, they still recite Qur'an to their teachers and they get corrected. They get corrected. Why? If the Prophet ﷺ was told, وَقُلْ رَبِّ زِدْنِي ilma," Say, O my Lord, increase me in knowledge. What does it mean? You can never learn enough. There's always more to learn. 
And the same thing is with iman. You can never have enough iman. There is always more that you can have. There is always room for improvement. So, aminu billahi wa rasulihi. And this is something that the Sahaba were so concerned about. Mu'ad ibn Jabal anhu. He said, let us sit for some time and believe. Come, let's sit down and let's believe. Well, didn't they already believe? This is what the Sahaba would talk about. Come, let's sit down and believe. You know, like we say, let's go out and chill. They'd say, let's sit down and believe. Meaning, let us sit down and do something, discuss something that will increase our iman. So believe. And then, anfiku, And also spend. Spend, of course, in whose way? In Allah's way. That's understood. Spend. Why spend? To show your faith. To increase your faith. Because remember that iman, how does it increase? With actions. Iman increases how? With actions. So for example, one action is salah. When a person will pray salah and focus on the quality of the salah, then that salah will increase their iman. Another action is dhikr of Allah. When a person will spend some time doing dhikr, that dhikr will, inshallah, increase them in iman. Another action, another way of increasing iman is through sadaqah, spending in the way of Allah. Charity. Because that is also righteous action. Because remember, iman yazidu bi ta'a. It increases with acts of obedience. So, anfiqu, spend. Mimma ja'alakum mustakhlafina fi. Spend out of that which He has made you, meaning Allah has made you, mustakhlafina fi. Successors in. Mustakhlafin, plural of mustakhlif. And mustakhlif is someone who has been given an inheritance. Okay? It's from istakhlafa. Yastakhlifu. To come after somebody. But whoever comes after somebody, what does it mean? That there's somebody else who's gonna come after them. Right? So mustakhlaf is someone who has been made to inherit something that belonged to somebody else yesterday. Today it belongs to him. And tomorrow it will belong to who? To somebody else. So in other words, whatever we have given you temporarily, we have given this to you how? Temporarily. Think of a house. One person, he purchases it. All right? He uses it. And then what happens? One day he sells it. When he sells it, now the house belongs to somebody else. Right? And then the second owner also, after some time, sells it. Now it belongs to somebody else. And then it will belong to somebody else, and then to somebody else. And this is the reality with everything in this world. No human being is an absolute owner of any property. Whatever we have, we did not have it yesterday. It belonged to somebody else. And whatever we have right now, it's not going to remain with us forever. It's going to go to who? To somebody else. Isn't it amazing? Some people, when they die, they ensure that their wealth is buried with them. I mean, don't we see this? Hasn't this happened in history? And then people find their graves and they go and steal stuff from there. Isn't it? I remember in northern Pakistan, there is a certain community. They're not Muslim. And I remember we went to visit there once. And they do the same thing. That when somebody amongst them, they die, they actually bury with them all of their belongings. 
And as we were looking, as we were going for a tour, they said that it's become very difficult for us to bury our dead because so often it happens that people find their graves because they go and bury them somewhere in the jungle, in the forests, right, in the mountains. They said that people wait to see that, okay, somebody is dying, and then they will go find their grave and they'll dig out all their possessions from there. You're not taking anything with you. Nothing. Things, I mean, we have something and in our lives, do we lose those things? Yeah? Are they taken away from us? Yes. So, whatever Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given us, remember He has given it to us to use. Use it for what? For amal salih, for righteous action, to make our akhirah. If we hoard it, we keep it, our loss. But if we give it to Him, we are investing in who? In ourselves. For our gain, for our future. So وَأَنْفِقُوا مِمَّا جَعَلَكُمْ مُسْتَخْلَفِينَ فِيهِ فَالَّذِينَ آمَنُوا Then as for those who believe, مِنْكُمْ among you, وَأَنْفَقُوا And then they also spend. They believe, and then they spend also. لَهُمْ أَجْرٌ كَبِيرٌ For them is a great reward. Why a great reward for spending? Because it's not easy to spend in the way of Allah. And Allah knows that. Allah Himself says, وَتُحِبُّونَ الْمَالَ حُبًّا جَمَّا You love wealth with an immense love. حُبًّا جَمَّا You love it too much. And something that we love too much, it's very difficult to part with it. It's very difficult to give it away. Allah says, وَأُحْضِرَتِ الْأَنفُسُ الشُّحْ Stinginess is within the souls. Stinginess. And shuh is extreme greed and extreme stinginess. That you just want stuff for yourself and you don't want to give anything away. This is the nature of man. This is the weakness of man. So the one who overcomes this weakness and he spends in the way of Allah, Allah says, لَهُمْ أَجْرٌ كَبِيرٌ For them is a great reward. Is that enough of an incentive? For some it's not. Allah says, وَمَا لَكُمْ What is wrong with you? That لَا تُؤْمِنُونَ بِاللَّهِ That you do not believe in Allah. Why would you not believe in Allah? What's preventing you? What's holding you back? That you don't believe in Allah. وَرَسُولُ يَدْعُوكُمْ While the messenger is calling you, لِتُؤْمِنُوا بِرَبِّكُمْ To believe in your Lord. Why don't you believe in Allah when the messenger is calling you to believe in your Lord, in Allah? Meaning if the messenger is calling you to believe in Allah, then you must respond to his call. Why? Because the messenger is truthful. He is honest. وَقَدْ أَخَذَ مِيثَاقَكُمْ Another reason. While he has taken from you your mithaq, your covenant. إِن كُنْتُمْ مُؤْمِنِينَ If you should be truly believers. Now this can be understood in two ways. The first way in which we can understand this is that mithaq over here is referring to the ahd alast. The ahd alast. The covenant that was taken from all people before they were sent into this world. Right? That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, alastu bi rabbikum, am I not your Lord? And all people said, qalu bala. Of course you are. Shahidna, we bear witness. We bear witness that you are our Lord. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is reminding us over here that look, you took that promise with me before. 
You took that promise. What happened? Now you won't believe in Allah? Now you won't worship Allah? What's wrong? Why are you contradicting yourself? Why are you going against your promise? Secondly, وَقَدْ أَخَذَ مِثَاقَكُمْ He took your pledge. This is referring to the Prophet ﷺ, the Rasul. That the Messenger is calling you to believe in Allah. And believe in Allah over here means increase your faith in Allah. By performing certain actions. Whatever command it is that Allah has given you. Because remember, iman includes amal salih. And now the mithaq, the covenant, is referring to the Pledge of Allegiance that people would give to the Prophet ﷺ when they would believe. The men and the women. They would make a promise with the Prophet ﷺ. The women, for example, that we will not kill our children. People in general, that we will not steal. We will not worship idols. Right? We will not commit zina. So, وَقَدْ أَخَذَ مِثَاقَكُمْ إِن كُنْتُمْ مُؤْمِنِينَ In Surah Al-Ma'idah, Ayah 7, this is mentioned. That, وَذْكُرُوا نِعْمَةَ اللَّهِ عَلَيْكُمْ وَمِثَاقَهُ الَّذِي وَاثَقَكُمْ بِهِ إِذْ قُلْتُمْ سَمِعْنَا وَأَطَعْنَا The promise of سَمِعْنَا وَأَطَعْنَا That whatever we'll be instructed, we will do it. So, you promise the Prophet ﷺ that whatever command you're given, you'll do it. Now what's going on? That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is giving you a command and you're not doing it, you're not fulfilling it. What's wrong with you? In kuntum mu'minin. Huwa ladhi. He is the one who. Now, how do you revive your faith? How do you strengthen your faith? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that He is the one who. Allah is the one who. Yunazzilu ala abdihi who sends down on His servant ayatim bayinat. Verses that are bayinat, that are clear evidence. Verses that should remove all your doubts. Verses that should fill you with enthusiasm. Verses that should drive you to action. So you want to revive your faith, strengthen your faith, go back to the Qur'an. Refer to the Qur'an. Reflect upon it. هُوَ الَّذِي يُنَزِّلُ عَلَىٰ عَبْدِهِ آيَاتٍ بَيِّنَاتٍ and why has Allah revealed the Qur'an? لِيُخْرِجَكُمْ مِنَ الظُّلُمَاتِ إِلَى النُّورِ In order to bring you out of darkness into light. Bring you out of darkness into light. Now this is mentioned elsewhere also. Bringing people out of darkness into light. Can you think of an ayah? Pardon? Surah Baqarah? Okay. What is the ayah? Good. اللَّهُ وَلِيُّ الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا يُخْرِجُهُمْ مِنَ الظُّلُمَاتِ إِلَى النُّورِ That Allah is the friend of those people who believe. He takes them out of darkness and brings them into light. So yes, there is one darkness which is disbelief. So Allah brings people out of that darkness of disbelief into the light of iman, into the light of faith. But here Allah is saying that he has sent the Qur'an, He reveals the Qur'an, why? In order to bring you, O believers, out of darkness into light. What does it mean? There are levels of darkness. There are levels of darkness. One level is absolute, total darkness. Total darkness. And that is of kufr. Right? But then there is another level of darkness. It's not total darkness. You can see. You can see, but not clearly. And this 
is the darkness off it is the darkness of ignorance it could be the darkness of sin it could be the darkness of laziness could be the darkness of hypocrisy it could be the darkness of extreme grief to a point where a person is giving up hope bad akhlaq weakness of faith weakness of action these are all darknesses and who falls in these darknesses it's the believers because they're human they make mistakes so each time a person falls into such a darkness not total darkness but this type of darkness of sin aggression right bad akhlaq bad thoughts about allah with iman a person makes these mistakes then what is it that will bring him out of that darkness into light the quran refer to the quran replace your ignorance with knowledge refer to the quran and replace your error and sin with repentance refer to the quran and replace the hypocrisy with sincerity refer to the quran and replace the grief with hope refer to the quran and replace the bad akhlaq with the good one refer to the quran and replace the weak faith with the strong faith liyukhrijakum min adh-dhulumati ila an-nur in surah at-talaq ayah 10 to 11 allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that rasulan allah has sent a messenger yatlu alaykum ayatillah who recites upon you the verses of allah mubayyinat as clear evidences liyukhrija alladhina amanu wa amilu salihati min adh-dhulumati ila an-nur did you hear that لِيُخْرِجَ الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا وَعَمِلُوا الصَّالِحَاتِ مِنَ الظُّلُمَاتِ إِلَى النُّورِ The messenger, when he recites the Qur'an, what is he doing? He's taking those who believe and do righteous deeds out of darkness into light. What do we think? Oh, I'm so good. We're so deceived about ourselves. just because we know a few arabic words or we have read a part of the quran or that because our hijab is bigger than somebody else's we think we're so good we're so good there's always a need to come out of darkness because we all fall into darkness allah is saying allah is saying liyukhrija alladhina amanu wa amilu salihat min adh-dhulumati ila an-nur even those who believe and do righteous deeds need to come out of darkness and each and every one of us has our own darkness think about it we all have our dark sides don't we in our personal lives in our relationship with allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in our relationship with the people around us we all have our dark sides and allah knows about them because he knows what is inside of us we can't hide from him So there is always a need for improvement to come out of darkness and go towards light and what is it that will do that it is the Quran in surah ibrahim ayah 1 allah says alif lam ra kitabun anzalnahu ilayka litukhrija an-nasa min adh-dhulumati ila an-nur bi'idhni rabbihim that this is a book that allah has revealed why so that you bring people out of darkness into light So huwa alladhi yunazzilu ala 'abdihi ayatin bayyinat liyukhrijakum min adh-dhulumati ila an-nur 
And indeed Allah is with you. Surely most kind and merciful. He is very kind, very affectionate and merciful towards you. This is why He sent you this book. This is why He sent this revelation. To wake you up every time you fall asleep. To drive you to action every time you become lazy. To bring you into light every time you get comfortable in your darkness. وَإِنَّ اللَّهَ بِكُمْ لَرَؤُوفٌ رَحِيمٌ Allah wants good for you. This is why He has sent this Qur'an to you. وَمَا لَكُمْ And what is wrong with you? أَلَّا تُنْفِقُوا That you do not spend فِي سَبِيلِ اللَّهِ in the way of Allah. Meaning, why don't you? What is wrong with you? What's preventing you? Why shouldn't you? You must. You must spend in the way of Allah. Especially because وَلِلَّهِ مِيرَاثُ السَّمَاوَاتِ وَالْأَرْضِ To Allah belongs the heritage of the heavens and the earth. What is mirath? وَوْرَاثَ What is mirath? Mirath is basically inheritance. Right? An inheritance is distributed when? When somebody dies. Right? So, what is the saying? That to Allah belongs the inheritance of the heavens and the earth. Any part of the heavens or any part of the earth that is right now occupied or owned, supposedly owned by someone, will ultimately be lost by them. And it will end up with who? With Al-Akhir. Al-Awwal and Al-Akhir. It will end up with Allah. So it's as if we are being told... Allah has given you this wealth right now. And He's made you an offer. You spend in Allah's way. Use this money to make your akhirah. And you're holding on to it. Why are you holding on to it? How long do you think you're going to keep it? How long do you think you're going to keep all of this with you? Whether it is your health, or your time, or your money, or your children, whatever Allah has given you, do you think you can keep it forever? No. Sooner or later you will lose it all. In Surah Maryam, Ayah 40, Allah says, إِنَّا نَحْنُ نَرِثُ الْأَرْضَ وَمَنْ عَلَيْهَا We are going to inherit the earth and whatever is upon it. Whatever is upon it. So what happens is that we have an opportunity to do something good and we delay. These verses are creating an, a state of almost urgency for us that do something. You don't have long. You don't know when you're going to lose it all. You're not going to keep this all forever. Stop hoarding. Give in the way of Allah. Anfiqu. Spend. Why won't you spend? What is wrong with you? You're not keeping this forever. It belongs to Allah ultimately. And He has given this to you temporarily so that you can do something. So don't sit with it. Do something with it. And if you keep waiting for things to change, for things to get easier, like you know some people... They just keep their money thinking that I'm going to wait until you know the best time for purchasing gold or silver or whatever, making an investment comes in. I'm just going to keep waiting. And if they keep waiting, keep waiting, there's never going to be a perfect time. Every time you're making an investment, there is a level of risk involved, isn't it? I remember many years ago, many years ago, somebody said, actually many people said, this is the worst time to buy a house. You know why? Because it's very expensive. Just wait for one more year and the market's going to crash. What happened? Did it crash? It just got worse. Isn't it? And what's happening until now? It's just going higher and higher. 
Right? So sometimes what happens is that we delay doing good because we say, I need things to get easier. We'll wait. When it's easier, then I'll do it. Do we do this with so many things in our lives? I can't do this right now because I'm very busy. I have to wait until the next year. I have to wait until two more years. I have to wait until, some people say, I have to wait until I'm married. No, no, before that. I have to wait until I'm done high school. All right. I have to wait until I get into university. I have to wait until I get engaged. And then what happens? I have to wait until I'm married. I have to wait until I'm settled. I have to wait until I deliver my child. Then I have to wait until the kid goes to school. And then I have to wait until he goes to high school. And then I have to wait until he goes to university. I have to wait until he gets married. I have to wait until the grandchildren are born. I have to wait until the grandchildren are older. It just never stops, does it? It never ever stops. And if we keep waiting, we are depriving ourselves. We are depriving ourselves. I met this lady recently. I've actually known her for many years. And I saw her after a long time and she looked very good. I mean, physically, you know, good shape, mashallah, taking care of her hair, you know, her physical appearance. And I'm like, wow, you look great. She's not a Muslim, so I couldn't really, you know, have a religious conversation with her. But anyway, she said, you know what? I realized I have to take care of myself. Since so many years, I've been giving 100% of myself to my family, to my children. I still take care of them. But I realized that I have to take care of myself. Because I've been neglecting myself so much that now I'm suffering. So this is true. If we keep delaying, if we keep waiting, who are we depriving? Ourselves. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, لا يستوي منكم They're not equal among you. Who's not equal among you? مَنْ أَنْفَقَ مِنْ قَبْلِ الْفَتْحِ Those who spend before the conquest, the victory, وَقَاتَلْ And he also fought. Meaning, they're not equal to those who spent in the way of Allah and fought in the way of Allah after the victory. They're two different groups. What is this fath referring to? Remember that the Sahaba, they understood fath as sulh hudaybiyah. Because Allah says, inna fatahna laka fatham mubina. And that fath is which one? Hudaybiyah, the treaty of Hudaybiyah. Alright? So if we take that opinion, what does it mean? That the people who spent in the way of Allah and fought in the way of Allah, their level is much higher than that of those who came later and after Sulh Hudaybiyah, they spent in the way of Allah and they fought in the way of Allah. Because Allah says, Ula'ika a'zamu darajatan, those are greater in rank, who are? Those who strove before the treaty of Hudaybiyah. Mina ladina anfaku min bardu waqatalu. Compared to those who spent later on and also fought later on. However, wakullan wa'adallahu al-husna. To all, Allah has promised a good reward. Wallahu bima ta'amaluna khabir. And Allah is knowing of whatever you do. All of them, all of the believers who strive in the way of Allah, Allah has promised them a great reward. However, those who did it before the victory, before the conquest, they have a greater rank. Why? Because they were sabiqoon. 
And remember there is a difference between the sabiqoon and the ashabul yameen. Isn't that what we learned in Surah Waqi'ah? Isn't there a difference? Who are the sabiqoon? Those who are first. And who are the ashabul yameen? Those who are right but they come later. They don't initiate. They don't work when it's hard. They do it, but only when things are easy. Sacrificing at the time of need is the real sacrifice. And for that is a reward that is unmatched. And when everything is done, then coming at the end, and having your fingers scraped or something, in order to be considered amongst the ranks of the martyrs, that doesn't work. Think about it. Imagine there is a big, important event in your family. Let's say somebody is getting married. No, that's too big. Let's say there is a dinner at your house. And your mom says, I need your help. You say, sure. Sure, mom, I'll be there. And then what happens? She's been working since morning. She expects you to be there sometime in the morning. But you show up when? 15 minutes before the guests are supposed to arrive. 15 minutes before that. And then what's left to do? Your mom is upset. Where were you? What were you doing? Why couldn't you leave your phone already? Right? And you say, I'm here. Tell me what to do. Well, everything has been done. Yeah, sure, you can, you know, you can maybe lay the table, but all the major work has been done. Right? So yes, your laying the table will be appreciated, but don't think it's the same as working since morning. It's not the same. So don't expect the same reward. You understand the difference? At the time of need, even if a person gives a little bit, it matters a lot. And when everything is there, and a person brings a lot, that matters very little. Because it's not the quantity that matters, it's when you do the work that matters. At a time of critical need, or at a time when it's convenient. When things are tough, when you're the only one, and when you have to give it your 100%, you know, financially, mentally, physically, you have to invest 100% of yourself into something. You can only do it if you're sincere. And later on when everybody is doing it, when things are easier, then, I mean, the effort is less, the level of sincerity is less, the level of hardship is less. So of course, there will be a difference in the reward also. Now the difference is with the sulh Hudaybiyah, right? Before sulh Hudaybiyah, before the Treaty of Hudaybiyah, remember the Treaty of Hudaybiyah was in the sixth year of Hijrah. Before that, were there any battles? Which ones? The Battle of Badr. The first Battle of Badr. And remember, the people who participated in the Battle of Badr, they were the best of Muslims. Right? Then there was Uhud. Right? Heavy losses. And then another major one was the Battle of the Trench. The Ahzab. That was also extremely difficult. Remember Surah Al-Ahzab? وَبَلَغَتِ الْقُلُوبُ الْحَنَاجِرِ Hearts were reaching up to the throats. They were so anxious, so nervous, so frightened. This was their state. And they were also suffering from extreme hunger. Remember when the Prophet ﷺ, he was lifting up something? A rock or some dirt? And Jabir who saw there were two stones tied to the Prophet ﷺ's stomach? Because of extreme hunger? So remember that these battles were extremely hard. If you went on these battles, what did that mean? you'd probably die. And if you were going in these battles, what did that mean? 
that you had to spend from your own pocket. Things were tight. Very difficult. Financially, Muslims were struggling a lot. There was a lot of fear. So those who kept going at such a time, when things were so tough, when people looked at them with doubt, when people called them crazy, when their own family abandoned them, remember the words of the munafiqun, the hypocrites, all their criticism and their mockery, this happened at that time. After Sulh Hudaybiyah, what happened? There was peace in the land. Why? Because of the treaty. Right? Which meant that there was going to be no battle, no war between the Muslims and the mushrikeen. Up until now, this was constant defensive. Now, it was offensive. Now, it was time to take revenge against the people of Khaybar. That was easy. Why? Because there was a lot of gain. Those people just locked themselves up in their fortresses and that's it. They just had to lay siege and basically wait it all out. And that's what happened. So, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala makes a distinction over here between those who strove at a time of extreme difficulty and those who strove when things were easier. Think about it. If you have certain friends who are with you no matter what you're going through, do they hold a special place in your heart compared to those who just remember you when they need something from you? Is there a difference? There is a huge difference. The Prophet ﷺ, he said, لَا تَسُبُّ أَصْحَابِي Do not revile my companions. Do not say something bad about them. Do not say anything bad about my companions. And he repeated this. He said, by him in whose hand is my life, if one amongst you would have spent as much gold as Uhud, it would not amount to as much as one of them would spend. As how much? Only a handful of dates. So you spend how much? Amount of gold. Equivalent to Mount Uhud. And a Sahabi spent how much? Just a handful of dates. Just a handful. A fraction of that mount. You give a mountain of gold in charity. It will never ever be equal to what the Sahaba have earned. Never. Because they worked at a time when no one was working. They strove at a time when no one was striving. They spent in the way of Allah when no one was spending. They meant it. This is why the Salaf, they would say that one of the Sahaba, one of the Sahaba, who was with the Prophet ﷺ, any one of them, and his face got covered with dust, because he was in the way of Allah with the Messenger ﷺ. His face getting covered with dust would be better than the actions of your entire life, even if you lived the life of Nuh alayhi salam. You live 950 years and you fill it with acts of worship. That's all you do. That is nothing compared to the one journey that the Sahaba participated in with the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam. There is a difference. Everybody wants to be on the winning team, isn't it? When gifts are being given, when rewards are being given, everybody wants a share. But when it's time to work, not everybody wants to work. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is reminding us over here, لَا يَسْتَوِي مِنْكُمْ مَنْ أَنْفَقَ مِنْ قَبْلِ الْفَتْحِ وَقَاتَلْ They're not the same. 
Why are you delaying? If you keep delaying, you're going to lose out. You're depriving yourself. Recitation. Aminu billahi wa rasoolihi wa anfiqu mimma ja'alakum mustakhlafina فَالَّذِينَ آمَنُوا مِنْكُمْ وَأَنْفَقُوا لَهُمْ أَجْرٌ كَبِيرٌ وَمَا لَكُمْ لَا تُؤْمِنُونَ بِاللَّهِ وَالرَّسُولُ يَدْعُوكُمْ لِتُؤْمِنُوا بِرَبِّكُمْ وَقَدْ أَخَذَ مِيثَاقَكُمْ إِنْ كُنْتُمْ مُؤْمِنِينَ هُوَ الَّذِي يُنَزِّلُ عَلَىٰ عَبْدِهِ آيَاتٍ بَيِّنَاتٍ لِيُخْرِجَكُمْ مِنَ الظُّلُمَاتِ إِلَى النُّورِ وَإِنَّ اللَّهَ بِكُمْ لَرَؤُوفٌ رَّحِيمٌ وَمَا لَكُمْ أَلَّا تُنْفِقُوا فِي سَبِيلِ اللَّهِ وَلِلَّهِ مِيرَاثُ السَّمَاوَاتِ وَالْأَرْضِ لَا يَسْتَوِي مِنْكُمْ مَنْ أَنْفَقَ مِنْ قَبْلِ الْفَتْحِ وَقَاتَلُ أُولَئِكَ أَعْظَمُ دَرَجَةً مِنَ الَّذِينَ أَنْفَقُوا فَقُوا مِنْ بَعْدُ وَقَاتَلُوا وَكُلَّ وَعَدَ اللَّهُ الْحُسْنَى وَاللَّهُ بِمَا تَعْمَلُونَ خَبِيرٌ